Welcome to Life Behind Bars, the amateur cycling podcast that stops for coffee and a slice of banana bread with pro peloton opinion. Joining me because if they weren't here, it'd be a bit dull without them. The Fanny Craddock to my Lawson Craddock, <laughs> David Quainton. That's the best one yet. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, fifth on GC in the Tour de Suisse, of course. Or Fanny um, or, or Lawson? Uh, well, Lawson. Um, I think Fanny did the Dauphiné. Uh, but, uh, um, Introduce me. All right, Steve, we're coming to you because you are the J. Robert Thompson to my Anthony Worrell Thompson, <laughs> you'll note that I, I'm the I'm the, the the less desirable one this time because I'm a bit fat and a bit ginger. I'm not a thief, eh? Who's, who's J. Robert Thompson? Dimension Data. Right. Also okay, riding the Tour de Suisse. Stephen Balby. <laughs> so J. Is Robert's, he good looking? Uh, I, I mean, he's, yes. he's a chiselled South African guy. Uh, fair enough. He's not doing too bad. Check it out. Um, straight into it, then, boys. What have we been doing this week? I know what Stephen's been doing yeah. secretly. Reneging on his promise. Secret training for the marmot, Steve, haven't you? No, busting. I, I absolutely deny that I've been doing that. Steve, no, is that, look, is that, why, you're is, is that no, why you're joining? Is that why you're joining us over the phone this week? No, you're training. No, <gasps> no, I'm not training, and I haven't been doing any training. And what the reason I'm so concerned that everyone knows this is because I'm not going to turn up on at the start of the marmot and have the world's most horrible day. Aside from a bowl of chips and a Mars bar, <laughs> I am. I've, already, I've done it once. Damned if I'm not doing it again. Um, uh, so, Steve, the car. Um, can we just set the scene well, here, please, and then we'll come back to you? So, David, so the case for the prosecution. The case for the prosecution, if you will. <laughs> so, You're looking at your Instagram, yeah. not Instagram. Sorry, yeah. your WhatsApp. WhatsApp. One oh, afternoon, one one weekend afternoon, and there's a little, a little yes. picture that Stephen sent voluntarily, not thinking I think unthinkingly sent us a picture saying look at my chain it's all wrapped around this bike it's a complete nightmare on my mountain bike and where was this bike David was it's, it indoors or outdoors it was not indoors it was in the woods in the woods <laughs> yeah. oh, the plot the plot thickens and so there are two there are two possible reasons for this one Stephen decided to take his bike out into the woods remove the chain wrap it round the the gears and send it send us a picture possible possible but, but not plausible or he was secretly training and busted himself Stephen case for the defence guilty <laughs> explain <laughs> yourself on a grassy verge and secondly uh, all I was doing was collecting my bike so that I might have the option of commuting three miles to work this week in my business suit. Now, if you think that that can, is, is to be, will be considered training, then I hold my hands up. But uh, I would, I feel that I would derive, have derived no benefit from that. And and in any case, my bike is now kaput, so um, I haven't been doing that. You have more than one bike, though. No, and as I was coming back, uh, so I'll come back to the point of uh, that I don't want anyone to think that I've done any training, which I haven't, because... If I have to spend 12 hours on the marmot creeping up um, hills with, you know, nothing in my legs at all, rock bottom fitness, I certainly don't want anyone to think that I've trained. So um, hold on a second, that, Stephen. That will, that will take away from the purity of the suffering. And hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're, 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 you're commuting this week? No, no my bike is broken. Ah, but you were intending on commuting this week. You were intending was, on commuting this week? Reserve it as an option. And you were going so, to commute next week? So anyway, I haven't trained, so um, what have you been doing this week? Well, so hold on, before we come to that, we're going to make the calculation. <laughs> Making the calculation. So if you're doing three miles a day 
to work, three miles a day back from work. So you're doing six miles a day. I again point out I haven't been doing that. If you were, let me finish, if you were going to do that, you would be doing six miles a day, yes? Yeah. Yes. Six times five is 30. 30 miles a day for two weeks, 60 miles over two weeks is more, is more than the 50 kilometers I did as training in, in totality for the Marmot last year. Stephen, that is that is training. Intent, it, the the intent was there. Ninety six the kilometers. There. That's nearly a hundred kilometers, Stephen. Yeah, all right. But when Very it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, at the start of the marmot, I am going to have one point six kilometers <laughs> of of training in my legs, which I think you'll find if you do make the calculation, that is that is <laughs> in fact forty eight point four kilometers less than you did, Graham. But this, uh, but Graham has one point six Stevens in his body. Arguably more. I mean, that sounds. <laughs> the, <laughs> <laughs> the horror, right, David? Like Save us. Remind everyone that I'm phoning in from a. Uh, I, I have a question for you, Stephen. Obviously, we are we are travelling out. Um, oh, do you want to name the company we're travelling out with this time, Marmot? Uh, what you would you like me to do a shameless unsponsored plug? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's an endorsement or a disclaimer, but we like the sound of their tour so much that we invested in the tour. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, in, in fact, it's our friends, um, which we our friends company, Mellow Jersey, um, run by a friend, Emma, a friend of the pod, Emma Dyson, um, who is who is paying us or or no, in in no, no money, and um, we are not affiliated in any commercial respect. And we just like the product. So well, we think we think we will. We're flying. We're flying <laughs> yeah. out on the Thursday, and the Marmots on the Sunday, which means we'll. Is it have... this Thursday? No. Is it next Thursday? It's the Thursday. Next Thursday, Thursday isn't it? It's God, that Thursday. sounds soon. No, Thursday three, Thursday. three Thursdays time, Stephen. Yes, you're fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Plenty of time for training, mate. <laughs> as you plan. Uh, so anyway, we fly out on the Thursday, which means we have uh, the, a full Friday and Saturday before the race on a Sunday. Now, obviously, what um, Graham and I will do is go for a poodle, probably up a mountain, on the Friday, rest on the Saturday. Will you be resting both days, or will you go out for a poodle on the Friday? I think all you need to know is that I'm going to disappear, potentially, with a bike, but not to train. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I would obviously have to, you know, just rest up, because um, I'm not going to make the same mistake that Graham made last year, which is to throw away his only competitive advantage, that of his, his relative freshness. Yes. Um, so I'm going to be harvesting that, and I'm going to start those early kilometres, the first two kilometres, feeling great, and I'm going to see if I can make it through kilometre four before I start to feel terrible. In, in the spirit of helping others who might be thinking about doing the Marmot next year, for example, mm. and, and might well be listening in, what other mistake have we made, boys, which we sort of saw coming a mile off, and which oh, anyone yeah. with half a brain well, it's a, it's, a true it's, a, it's a pantheon of, of error, really. Uh, which one? Which is the this most structurally important column? I think it's not. It's not. It's not booking flights, isn't it? Probably it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not booking flights. So we yes. found the return flight is is uh, a spicy meat. A spicy meat <laughs> <laughs> quote Marco Pantani. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've we've decided to stay on an extra night in Lyon. Um, so we're coming back to Lyon with Mellow Jersey. And staying an extra night in Leon and flying back the following day. So, um, so that will be our yeah. yeah, come and come have a beer with uh, Life Behind Bars podcast. We mentioned Instagram actually. 
Yes. And do you know what we didn't do? What didn't we do? We didn't do the at handle. Ooh, so do you want to help us out here, David? It's in- at Life Behind Bars Podcast. That's where you can find us on Instagram. Yeah. And where can you find us on Twitter? At LBB Pod. At LBB Pod or Life Behind Bars Cycling Podcast for the long form version. Yes. Good. And you can also find us on Facebook. Ooh. Yeah. Tell more. Well, tell look, all. Look for Life Behind Bars Podcast. I tell you one, one man who has looked for yes, it and found it. it. Yeah. Alan Hill. Good old An Hi, expat Alan. down under. Good day, Alan. Uh, thanks for writing in. Alan just said hello and, yeah. and you know, keep up the good work. So thanks for listening, so mate. Well. Expat from Barnet. Yeah. Um, what else are we doing this week? Are we, are, we, are we still on the marmot? Uh, That's where all roads lead. Yeah, indeed. So um, we're doing I have we a are... question. Yes, go ahead. How much have you trained, Graham? More than last time. Well, I've done bits and pieces here and there rather than any sort of sustained block. I probably weigh slightly less, which will help. Your pre-recovery's been good. My pre-recovery's it? been excellent, yeah, <laughs> as ever. My pre-recovery is on point. Yeah. Um, so I've been, been eating well. Uh, I, I spent a week out in Girona um, with Rocacorba cycling. So I did Rocacorba a, a, a couple of times um, and, and surrounding mountains. I've done to Wokingham and back. Do you remember the Gales? Oh, the Gales mm. Bakery. Oh, ah. uh, so I spent a little bit more, and I've done a bit of Richmond Park here and there. And we do. So, uh, so to clarify, to, to sum that up, um, you went, you did some riding in Italy six weeks ago. No, mate, Girona Gir- Gir- is in Spain. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, oh, my Spain. apologies. My apologies, Italy. Um, just got Italy on the brain. Genoa, uh, maybe Genoa. No. Or, yes. Let's yes, say yes, you know, yeah, uh, definitely. That's what you definitely meant. Yes. No, feel free to cut this bit out, David. Um, so, I won't. so, in fact, Graham, um, is it fair to say that your training has consisted of um, a ride in, a couple of rides in Girona six weeks ago, um, a 50 mile trip out to Berkshire, the poodle around Richmond Park? Yeah. And, that's and pretty some, accurate. Some hardcore commuting. Yeah, uh, some very leisurely commuting. Okay, well, that's not insignificant, some leisurely commuting. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, well, again, it's, it's you know, through maybe two to three days a week. Well, so that's an hour a day in total, hour and ten days. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's, and you know, fantastic. And you weigh incrementally less, so I think... So I weigh um, slightly less. As, as, a, as an estimate. Slight, slightly is more than incrementally, so that's even, even and better. And we're doing 100 this um, weekend as well. I'm going to encourage us to make our own... Our own oh, no, I've, I've, I've attempted to butcher Sean Kelly's uh, accent there. So I'm going to do that again. Um, so I'm going to... Um, sorry, my apologies. Jesus Christ. Get there. Um, right, <laughs> we're sorry, keeping right, all this yeah, stuff yeah, in. Right, no, silence, <laughs> it stays. Silence. stays in. No, 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 no. no. Um, <laughs> uh, right. So, I'm going to encourage us now to make our own calculation, Good. if you will, um, and draw, if not a line in the sand as to what we, what we hope to do. In fact, a line in the sand uh, as, as to what we are going to commit to doing. I'm going to, start, I'm going to start myself off. I am going to start with no training and finish within the time limit. And what, how, do you have any idea kind of in your mind how long you think that will take? Well, what time are we starting? It's earlier than last. So if anyone does... It doesn't matter what time you start, really. If you're going to finish it, well, how long will it take? So it took, what, nine hours last time, and we presume you think it will take longer this time. Although you have the experience of last time, you'd probably, you'd probably do a more even pace this time. No, but it, it does matter what time you start, because um, 
if your goal is to come in within the time limit, then obviously if you start earlier, that's more time you have to do that, isn't it? So uh, last year we entered late and we're in the last wave to go off and this year we are in an earlier wave. So I think that will give us an extra hour perhaps. About 40 minutes extra we've got. Okay, so what time is that? What time is it? Like half seven? Let's say eight. I think, for... it's, I think it's seven, seven or seven twenty. Oh, really? Okay, so you know that's um, t- let's say ten and a half hours to to about six o'clock. Um, is that uh, the cut off? What's the time? Is it quarter past six? Six, six, six p.m. Yeah, I think six six thirty something like that. So that gives me what over te- well over ten hours to get to the foot of Alpe d'Huez. So that's yeah. very very comfortable. So I, I can't. I can't Mate, <laughs> define comfortable. It depends how comfortable you get with your chips and your Mars bar. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that is what I'm going to aim to do. So uh, Graham, what are you going well, to do? Before we go, Surely before we move, have on, to be before we move to on to Graham, I, I'm going to say that I think you will do it in roughly the same time as last time. I still think you're going to be first. I, th- I think first to the top of Duez, mate. Easy. What? What? Do you not realise I'm not trained? Yeah, but you've been running as well, and you're in good shape. Yeah, you're one really. of these. You're one of these guys who writes about. Oh, I didn't train. Is act is actually an unbelievable shape because they're really active elsewhere. And also, whereas that what they actually mean by not training is they haven't spent six hours on the bike every other day for the past six months. So, um, a big hello to all you frauds out there <laughs> who uh, I've, I've read <laughs> oh, one or two. Like read just, read yeah, one or two. No win here for me then. Read one or two pieces within like if I eight hours. Then, then that's just expected. Whereas if I if I finish as I should do in fifteen or something, mm. based on my actual fitness, that that's a huge surprise and failure in my part. Was there a column? Was it a cycling weekly column about riding the marmot? Yeah, and the guy who wrote it was like, "Oh, yeah, is it possible to do it without any training?" And he's like, "So about a paragraph in, it becomes apparent that he, you know, he's just run his third marathon of the year. Yeah, it's been a thirty marathon. You're just like, sod off, mate. That's he's, not not he's training. He'd run a two thirty marathon. For God's sake." <laughs> Uh, well, this is the point. This is partly my inspiration. Obviously, it you know started off as pure laziness and disorganisation, <laughs> and then sect into an opportunity. I turned the burden into the opportunity. Oh, well done. And with this chap in mind, now Graham wasted his chance last year by a training and b then not writing an article about how in fact it was possible to finish on no training mm. because of course he didn't finish. However, um, <laughs> it's really an to write that article. For reals, a genuine article, is it possible to do the Marmot on no training? And so I'm going to find out. And then if I do, I'm going to write that article. Yes, and I'm going to troll you heavily because you are, you're basically the same guy. Um, David? Well, first of all, so you think Stephen, I think Stephen will finish it in nine hours. I think out of the three of us, Stephen will be number one. I think he'll be close behind. And I think I I am once again touch and go. So... For myself, I yeah, I hopefully won't suffer from cramp this time. However, I've done zero climbing this time. We had done before. I've done simulated climbing, and I've not. So I don't know the impact of that. Mm. So it'll be it won't make any difference. Well, this weekend, as long as you, if you're training to power, it doesn't make any difference. So this weekend we go. We're doing a, a ride down to Kent and back. And so we do a few climbs there, and I think we do a few repeats if possible. Or I might do it something just just to see what it, what it, what my legs are like on on climbs because I have no idea if they're okay. And if I've if if my strategy to get over cramp has worked, then I should get round in about eight and a half hours. I think. Steve, if I was going to change my gear ratio, 
What would you recommend? I would lower it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lowest gears you can find. Wait, a third, a third. You need a third. No, well, not necessarily. I mean, that would benefit you, but that's that's going to be quite expensive and not worth it. Um, just for one sportive. Um, if you have a compact chain set, fit it. Obviously, if you don't, um, I recommend buying a good quality one and simply carrying it over to your next bike. Which get an Ultegra minimum uh, compact chain set, uh, probably 36, possibly 34, with minimum, I would say 20, not 28, I would actually say minimum 30, as long as your derailleur is long enough. Uh, you can get short cage and long cage derailleurs. Short cage, not to get too technical, will only um, uh, accommodate a 28 in the back. But if, mm. if it's long cage, and it should be, if it's if it's bought within the last couple of years, then you should have a 30 or 32 in the back. And motors? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, you can get, get I do. That, that would absolutely help you. Um, <laughs> possible that, downside of that, that, international that shaming, but cruising yeah. up the hill passes. Oh, it turns out he has been training. Mm, yes. In that event, if someone said, I can only say, do do that, but if anyone asks you, mate, are you using a motor on no account no. tonight? Look, <laughs> look if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. There will be no motors involved. Also, do you have any idea how expensive that would be? Well, it depends how, to what extent you wish to, to um, you know, make it a covert um, mm. uh, mechanism. Well, so yes, a lawnmower engine out the back is uh, possibly a little bit yes. too obvious. Talking, talking, about mo- talking about motors... Have we, obviously, uh, we mentioned uh, Chris Froome's crash last week. It just happened. Well, steady on. I'm making absolutely no association there well, whatsoever. No, well, no, but this is the thing. I'm saying... On, ah, on, okay, you come on, to the flat earthers. Uh, an incredible outpouring of flat earthers jumping on uh, Froome's crash and saying that not only do they not trust him because he always uses a motor, but actually they don't trust him to the extent that they think he faked the crash. And... It's not just one. There's a whole raft of people who might otherwise seem relatively sensible. Did any of these people advance a potential reason as to what his motivation for that might be? Yes, because they think he's possibly been popped for doping and therefore has staged a crash. And their argument for this was... one, One of the arguments was that the weather looked slightly different in the two pictures, so it must have been fake. Another one said that um, ITV had been recording further up uh, the road, so why weren't they at the crash? Um, but why would you follow a rider so on, on a on, recon? On the basis that they might crash. And the third thing was, when, when Froome released the picture, or the fr- picture was released of Froome in hospital, they were questioning, where's the IV drip? Where's his injuries? They were saying he didn't look like our friend uh, Phil Guyman and get well soon, Phil, um, who has also had a big crash uh, in the US. That's because <laughs> Phil Guyman was pictured shortly after the crash, whereas Chris Froome was pictured days afterwards. But I also think Phil Guyman, his face hit the ground, whereas Froome just, it appears to be just his lower body that took the, the major um, hammering. As oh, low. So he fractured elbow, ribs, C7 vertebra, yeah. uh, and of course his Lost femur. four pints of blood. Um, yeah, I think you could go to, you could simply say, oh, I've got a bit of a heavy cold, hmm. so, or I don't want to do it anymore. But, but this is just, this is just <laughs> um, the world well, we live in though, isn't it, boys, with, the, with, with social media, particularly Twitter. It is the home of flat earthers. It's just... Uh, and... and uh, you know, nothing a flat earther loves more than, than someone telling them that that's not true. I mean, let's, let's be clear, cycling has given everyone enough reasons to be sceptical yes. over the years, and uh, that's absolutely fair enough. But um, uh, the hoops, uh, the kind of mental gymnastics people are going through, logical gymnastics to, to try and prove that 
um, it must have been a faked crash. It just, uh, everything that is insane. Like, oh, there, I said this one, the one guy even was uh, saying that uh, basically uh, Froome was a mason. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, the handshakes on the podium. The handshakes on in. the podium were mason's handshakes and that the surgeon was a mason as well. And that's where they were all in on it. Um, and uh, that's why they wanted Thomas to win this year. However, well, I don't want, you know, I'd just like to say that we're not anti-Masonist on this show. So no. I, don't, I don't, I'm not no. okay. I mean, I think that being anti-Masonist is the last acceptable prejudice. And <laughs> I'm here to say that then, no, we, well, that is not, that is not acceptable. Well, probably being anti-cyclist is the last acceptable prejudice. Uh, prejudice, sorry. Yes, well, that is because cyclists do tend to bring it on themselves in some respects. Ooh. Who's um, the best ginger cyclist? Me. Who's the best <laughs> ginger cyclist? Yeah. It is either Teo Gegenhardt or it is uh, Ed Clancy. Probably Teo, isn't it? I mean, Ed Clancy for the track, certainly not for the road. He's also um, had a serious back injury, isn't he, Ed Clancy? Mm. It turns out that road uh, tarmac or walls and concrete is harder than bones and skin. It's quite hard to go through. Yes, well, I think that's what, hence my comment, cyclists can sometimes be guilty of bringing it on themselves. There's a sense of uh, moral outrage, which, <laughs> whenever, because they feel so vulnerable, because we feel so vulnerable on the road, um, any, any sort of minor infringement well, is going to come off second best. Um, well, and, and, you know. So, the, on, on that note, actually, this is a a reasonably straightforward seg into the next thing that I wanted to bring up because I've, I've been slightly outraged, possibly slightly more than usual, mm. by, <laughs> uh, by, sit, by sit this down, story. Have you, seen, yes, have you seen this today? So the, the headline is, Cyclist ordered to pay compensation to woman who stepped in front of him while looking at her phone. So cyclist in the city. This is in London? Yes. Okay. So in the news today, yep. in fact. So you were recording on Tuesday London, afternoon. London, England. Yep. So just around the corner from Cannon Street, not yep. far from where we are currently, mm. actually. Um, so woman looking at her phone. I mean, doesn't you know, pedestrian looking at their phone. Mm. Stepped into the road in front of yep. someone on a bike. Um, they come together, collision, at about 10 to 15 miles per hour. Mm. Um, and the judge has, has essentially ruled in favour of the pedestrian because she brought it to court to claim damages against the guy on the bicycle despite having admitted because there was witness testimony as it you know it's sort of rush hour so witness testimony from from several people to say she was looking at her phone as she stepped into the road and yet the nerve to bring this to court and claim damages and then so, so was it on a cross to compound it uh, it was, but the lights were lights were green for the cyclists. So that's not to say wow. it's not to say that you should not be careful no, because no. people jump in front of you all the time. Yeah, yeah. We know this in any big city, um, pedestrians jump in front of you all the time. But the not taking responsibility for your own actions is baffling. Like how how can you step into the road and go, oh, you've just hit me?" And so they're both not unconscious by this, by the way. So it's not wow. like the, the cyclist came off lightly. Um, and so you step into the road, you knock someone off their bike, you knock your, you, you are knocked unconscious as a result of the collision. And then when you, when you wake up and, and sort of, I mean, she must have been a hell of a bump on the head for her to go, oh, whose fault was that? I know, <laughs> it was the cyclists. But the, so the judge, so the judge has basically said that although, so his, his name is Mr. Hazeldean, the rider, although he has come across as a calm and reasonable road user, Miss Brushett, who's, who's the, the pedestrian, was looking at her phone when she walked into the road in front of him. Um, but she, the, the judge went on to rule that 
Mr. Hazeldean was liable to pay damages. So apparently he's having to pay 50% of what is being claimed. So the damages are yet to be awarded. This is a separate, a separate hearing. So the judge says, when I stand back and ask, how did the accident happen? It seems to me that Mr. Hazeldean owed a duty to other road users to drive with reasonable care and skill. I don't disagree with that. I'm, I'm all for that and, and we all do. Um, even where a motor, motorist or cyclist had the right of way, pedestrians who are established on the road have right of way. Fair enough, but have we not just established that the pedestrian stepped onto the road in front of him, mm. right? Um, she added that Mr. Brushett's conduct as a pedestrian, sorry, <laughs> apologies, yeah. Miss Brushett's conduct as a pedestrian must have contributed to the accident. So the judge, said, the judge says, Miss Brushett must clearly have equal responsibility if she is crossing the road without looking and if she is looking at her phone, even more so. But cyclists must be prepared at all times for people to behave in unexpected ways. Mm. Well, like, what message does that send? Yeah. Like, good luck. It, it, people can jump in front of you, but it's your fault. It's that, it's, it's ridiculous. So, so, so that sounds that the conclusion that the judge made is similar to when you're driving. So when you're driving, it doesn't matter what happens in front. You're always at fault if you crash in someone's back. Yes. Uh, so they've used that similar logic. The problem with that, I would say, is it's much harder to stop on a bike. Well, without, not only is it much harder, but it's, but it's <laughs> you, you are that much more vulnerable. Yeah, There's yeah. a huge difference between how vulnerable you are on a bicycle and how protected you are um, behind two tons of steel in a, in a mm. car. So there's a, there's a reason for that. But if you know, and it's not like this guy was going particularly quick. He's going ten to fifteen miles per hour. Says course, says, yeah. says the, the report. Tall, Which, although it's enough to knock someone over. Yeah. But it, I feel, anyway, my point is, and remember, you know, we're all pedestrians as well, but mm. oh, poor old Robert Hazeldean is going to have to pay this yoga instructor um, who's taken him to court for stepping out in front of him, which is crazy. Take some, take some mm. responsibility And I've heard that uh, Robert Winston is testifying on, on the Yes, he was there. He was there. <laughs> yeah. And he also testified that the, uh, the, the cyclist, after he knocked the, the woman down, got up and kicked, kicked a dog and then <laughs> went off to... Uh, cause um, internal strife in, in, in Eastern Europe. Stephen is, Stephen um, is joking. To the, a uh, any, any, uh, any litigious sorts out there, Stephen is uh, poking fun at a previously great institution. This I'm satirising Graham's righteous, righteous fury. Oh, I really, or, got, or, I really got up my nose, Steve. Ago. Anyway. I'm, I'm, I feel like uh, I'm becoming right, an old man. Rightly so. Um, so actually, in fact, this this in itself leads me into is a, is a neat segue into an article that uh, David shared with us in the week, which uh, concerned the right and the wrong ways uh, to ride your bikes on public roads, and sort of shone a light on uh, the uncertainty surrounding uh, legislation, not only from the point of view of bike users, but indeed from the police and law side itself. David. I guess the most common one that people come across is uh, being shouted at by drivers usually for riding uh, two abreast. Which, if ever, if ever that happens to anyone, if you're riding next to your pal or whoever on, on a road and a rider comes past you and, and a driver comes past you and says, you've got to ride single file or something, I imagine far more aggressive and, and uh, Anglo-Saxon. They, uh, they're incorrect. And actually it's perfectly legal to ride two abreast. The law is you mustn't ride more than two abreast. So uh, two cyclists taking up the whole road, riding next to each other, is actually perfectly legal. Um, there is an argument that the police could stop you if you were riding so slow as to create a dangerous tailback. Um, also, I wouldn't necessarily advise it if there's a long queue behind you because you're just being, you know... Antagonistic. Antagonistic. 
Well, so it's clear then that the it's clear then that the policeman didn't actually know the highway code. Oh, so you're talking about there was a situation shown in that where a, a, a policeman actually stopped someone and uh, kind of read the riot act to them um, and was in fact reading from the wrong book, uh, in as much as they were completely incorrect on that point. Um, one one thing that came out with though that I thought was interesting and is something we discussed ourselves earlier and probably got wrong in a previous podcast is you cannot ride on a public footpath. It's not legal. And a policeman has every right to stop you for riding on a public footpath. Um, well, that's really interesting. Well, actually, there's a, a really sort of, on the face of it, a funny story, um, but also quite concerning, where a policeman in Lincolnshire um, stops a four-year-old girl um, for riding on the pavement and threatened to confiscate her bike, um, much to the consternation of her parents, no less, um, and the father who apparently had to... Um, he, the, the, the policeman, I think, said um, he was going to be driving ahead and look, checking in his mirrors to make sure she didn't keep dri- um, riding on the pavement rather than wow. the road, forcing her father to, to have to pick her bike up and carry it. I think she was riding to school rather than have a four-year-old, a four-year-old ride on public route. That's um, that's astonishing. Yeah, well, the world uh, continues to eat. Well, itself. the thing is, that as long as you're applying discretion. So I, I will occasionally ride on a path um, to get out of the way of dangerous traffic if there's no one walking along it. I think that is fine. And, of course, a four-year-old riding along a path, nothing wrong with that either. But yeah, it's it's pretty fair. It's a pretty fair rule, I think. If you're motoring along it, um, you know, thirty or kilometres an hour along a public footway, then um, you know, you probably should be stopped for that. To be honest. Well, I think this is an area. A lot of the legislation is, in fact, quite unclear. It's not actually clear where, on some respects, whether you can ride on a footpath or not. I think the law makes uh, provision for carriages, which technically under nineteenth-century legislation, when it was made bikes are a part of and it says that you can't this is, you can't ride along a portion of the highway that is set aside deliberately from the road for the for the use of pedestrians mm. but there's so many you know loopholes within that another area of legislation which we're all contravening anyone who uh, wears um, clipless pedals um, is that you should have by law um, four reflective strips on your pedals not as a reflective strip on your clothing or anything like that but on your pedals, um, and if you don't, you're actually breaking the law. So there, are, in fact, I would suggest that 70% of cyclists, anyone who yeah. cut, who has a clipless pedal system, is is actually breaking the law. Uh, I would suggest then that this is an area of legislation that requires review, but is also why, for anyone who doesn't know this or doesn't realise this, it's why uh, cycling manufacturers don't supply bikes with pedals on the bike, and you have to put them on. Um, yourself. Oh, to stop themselves being sued. Yeah, well, they'd be breaking the law yeah, to provide a bike without reflective strips on the pedals. How interesting. See, I thought your legislative chat was going nowhere there, but you've actually thrown in something interesting. Yeah, rescued then. it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was very fascinating to know that we're all breaking the law. Yeah. Oh, so, but the, the law is te- Technically, respect. all London cab drivers are breaking the law unless they have a hay and a Oh, I know where you're going with yeah. this, yes. Um, in the... Sorry, unless they have... Hay and, hay and water, I believe. Uh, which obviously goes... Unless they're carrying around a bale of hail in the back of their black cap. So last last one on on law-breaking, for balance, for the sake of balance. So the the Metropolitan Police's uh, Roads and Transport Twitter handle reported this week. An operation took place uh, yesterday, so this this was late last week, 
um, targeting uninsured drivers. Enforcements as per the below, they write. 97, no insurance. 28, no driving licence. 93 vehicles seized. 19 arrests. Arrests include possession of weapons, drug supply, disqualified driving and drug driving. This is in one day. Jesus. That- one day. So... For anyone getting, and I doubt that anyone's listening, who, who will get bent out of shape about cyclists rather than people driving cars, um, of which, of course, we are all both. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen's not. There you are. I, I, I tell you, one's going to do you far more harm than the other. How are you going to learn to drive one day, Stephen? I see, you can't drive, can you? I can, I can, I can drive, I'm just not legally. Funny enough. But I'm quite comfortable with that because I break the law every time I get on the bike, apparently. You can't drive when you're playing golf either, can you? you're like 100 yard boy no i can do a very specific thing i am probably <laughs> i would honestly wager that i am the best in the world at predictably um hitting it 100 yards forward exactly yeah, having the yeah. ball take an exact right angle to the right <laughs> and going 100 yards to the side david has been on on predictions david has been on fine form making the calculation for making us on our, our twitter handle go on yep. let's give it a mention again making the calculation for the bonifications <laughs> uh, <laughs> our twitter back, handle is at lbb pod at lbb pod to see david's magnificent um predictions for so you've been doing the dauphiné the past week and the tour de suisse currently and yes. yeah tour de suisse currently and it's been going rather well for you hasn't it did you predict that Garen thomas would crash I didn't. I think we all can. Uh, yes, I, that is that is predictable. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> poor old G. I'd rather predicted that he'd probably win this. Um, uh, win well, actually, it reminds us that his uh, tour victory of last year was a precious thing indeed, in given his, that in, it was one of the few Grand Tour he's ever managed to complete without. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, he them. he is famously accident prone. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. if you ignore that tour win, he's just constantly falling off his bike. We've seen him blown into a ditch just crashing going along with no one anywhere near him it's just I mean you know he's so good value but him. I think it's obviously raised concerns what with Froome out if you are a British fan that uh, as he is our, our best and only realistic hope for this year's tour um, I, I say that uh, in acknowledgement that Adam Yates, Yates is, yeah. is in fact competing um and not Simon so Yates one... as David so me and oh, Steve <laughs> you don't know about this yeah. me and David had a conversation during the week because he predicted that Simon Yates would would win one of the latter mountainous stages at the Dauphiné. Yeah, I was right? wrong. <laughs> um, so I messaged him to say, Are you sure about that? And he comes back with, oh, yeah, 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 definitely, you know. And I was like, all right, socks. I said, um, I, I said, oh, he's definitely going to finish top three. Yeah. And I, was, the, I read it, I was like, of course, you obviously haven't been watching the race. Yeah. In great form. He's <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely on the podium. So I bet David socks, first of all. David agreed to socks. Then I mentioned that, it was in fact Adam Yates <laughs> racing the Dauphiné and not Simon Yates, but Adam dropped out. The and then Adam dropped day, out anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, more was the shame. That, so that, that was interesting actually. The number the number of guys that dropped out of that. So so real contenders as well. So Krauschwick dropped out and and Yates dropped out. Um, uh, Woods dropped out. All on, the, all on the final day. All on the final day, and they all before all, the final day. And they all were uh, apparently suffering because of basically the amount of crap essentially that they've been swallowing off thrown up off the roads the previous day because there was so much water on the road and Woods so much been all spray up with a dicky tummy they'd obviously ridden through a part of the world where there was a lot of bugs around I presume and uh, and it knocked them all for six yeah. well they're also running and such <sighs> tiny amount of body fat there's very little protection for them there in terms of um, well indeed uh, but Jakob Fuglsang taking a victory which sort of you know backs up his step on this season he's he's was one of the notable contenders in the hilly one he, 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 yeah he had a, he had a really good spring didn't he 
and eventually won a classic. Um, yeah, he's best on yeah, yeah. Um, having having sort of surrendered to Alaphilippe at um, every race prior to that. Um, Point is, Jakob <laughs> Fulkswagen will be a contender at this year's tour. Will he be in the top five? Probably not. But um, do we want to make the calculation now and see how that develops over the next couple of weeks? I think we do. I'm going to say that it's going to be. Garrett Thomas pre- presuming that in fact he makes it to the start line doesn't keep crashing between now and then and that whatever injury he has picked up today is minor we think it is to some road rash so you're saying G for the for the GC for the tour yes okay if he's in anything like the shape he is last he was last year then how can anyone beat him Who, who's going to be close pervious who's going to be close curious who, yes. who's going to be close to him Name uh, well I mean the usuals. I mean, Demoulin presumably has to be. It's a tour. It's not as hilly. It's it's it will suit him. Um, anyone with a good team and team try and try. I don't think it was going to be Quintana. Surprisingly quiet. Um, I'm reluctant to say anything about Richie Port at this point. <laughs> he's um, coming to form nicely. I think you'll find he's coming to the boil. I mean, he's he's very cleverly Richie Port. What he's done this season is he won on Wollonga Hill because he has to, and then he's been relatively pants ever since then, just to lull people in a full sense of security. So what he can do is is then get people all hyped up because he'll be leading the tour going into the final week and then he'll fall off the bike. So, in fact, what you're saying, that he's, he's taken an entirely new and surprising route to falling off his bike in the tour this year. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. Rather than keep winning all the races and fall off this time, he's, uh, he's finishing like 10th in most races and coming off. Yeah. Yeah. Good on him for keeping you from guessing. Graham, who do you, who's going to win? We're just going to do the winner this week. And then, and who's going to run him close, I think? Nairo Quintana. You think Quintana is going to win? Socks. All right. Well, okay, I mean, but you've you've got to put so so to, for me to accept this bet though, it can't just be Nairo Quintana wins or doesn't win because that is that so, is the bet we've just made. Well, no, I'm qualifying it. <laughs> I'm qualifying it because that is so heavily weighted in your favour as to be obscene. So either there has to be a substantial prize. For me, or there has to be, uh, there has to be um, oh, right, e- equally weighted in your favour. So, so, socks so, and pants. No. So, who are you backing? So, it's, the question is, who finishes first? Who finishes higher on GC? Oh, yeah, there you go. That's a nice one. That's that's, that's more equal. I am so I am so sure that Mario Quintana is not going to win the Tour de France this year. But genuinely, genuinely, if he does, I'll buy you a new bike. A new bike? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> what, a Canyon Air Road? Yeah. Well, up to the value of, let's say, £3,500. Well, no, let, so, so let, rather than new bike, let's, let's say a new significant part for his bike. So, for example, a new, you know, chainsaw. Wheel set. A new wheel set, a new wheel set yeah. That's a new set. Okay, a, a wheel set <laughs> of your choice. Lovely. If Quintana wins. Yeah. And you get socks if he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually, well, fair enough for being having the conviction to go there. I mean, um, to be honest, I uh, I don't know which way I want that to go. <laughs> like, I mean, so I believe Fogel saying will run him close. I think Nibbly will still run it close as well. I can't see it. I've got to be honest with you. I'll Nibbly look good, but it's and, too it's too close to the Giro. And the Giro e- was e- hard. Egan Bernal. Firstly, gents, um, I mean, only us for the winner, really. But actually, as you've as you've carried on there, 
Um, I, I, I have actually been out doing an interview this week, which you two don't know about. And it's going to be a shame. I'm going to have to break to you and our listeners that because Nairo Quintana is going to be um, concentrating very hard during the tour, obviously, as you'd expect, he's not going to be available to give any interviews. But he did speak to me this week. Oh, and he had he's a typical amount of Quintanaisms to say about uh, Froome's crash and indeed his only chance his own chances in this year's tour. Some really uh, astute observations as ever from Naira there. Controversial I would say. <laughs> Some, do you agree? Some say he he's getting more so actually on yeah. this show. He and we learned cha- last week that he has a really loud voice. I don't know if that came across in that interview. He's actually. Very chatty. Half minute guy. Um, David, so, wrap it up for us with your who I think is going to win. It. I, so I don't think Dumoulin will because I think his knee is. I, I, ordinarily, actually, I'd have him as favourite now, but I don't know how good his knee is. He has an in, he had operation today, actually, today, so take, the last take, couple of days, uh, yeah. which was what you'd think would be a big deal and be concerning, but it was actually a really minor intervention to re, to um, remove a, a, what I'm assuming is a bit of his own bike from his knee. On that note, the other the one the one rider that we haven't seen this year um, at all is uh, Uran, who's doing a four day race before. Um, the tour next week. I can't remember which one it is. The Rakid Rocketan, whatever it is. Not Rakitin, something like that. Um, Roberto Rocking Rakitan. Yeah, uh, well, we <laughs> look so, forward to seeing him. Uh, well, the, but, thing, the thing is, I've said, I, they're, the, um, I think they'll pick up a lot of time in the team time trial this year because they've got a really strong time trial time. They could yes, pick you up have, you have said that, there. yes. Um, I think that would be. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think that EF Education First will provide a contender for the overall. No offence to Rigoberto. However, he finished second um, two years ago. What I'm, what I'm struggling to come on to here is that yeah. um, okay. I've informed this week that our friend, the cycling Dane, Scott Nielsen, is going to be uh, riding out to the tour um, on what he de- defines as a silly bike. So um, he has lots of opinion about who he thinks is going to win. So he's going to come on just before the tour to talk about. That understand um, understand we talked much about the Tour de France at this stage. Who's going to win the Tour of Switzerland? Uh, well, Sagan's currently in the leader's jersey, but yeah, presumably it gets a little bit choppy for him. Uh, I think it'll be won by Bernal. Who I'm going to say Lawson Craddock. Really Lawson Craddock is currently fifth. Lawson Craddock is mm. currently fifth, but I wonder when it hits the mountains, it'll be uh, Enric Mass. He's not far off. He might win it. Okay. Um, and who's interested to know what's going on in the women's sport this week? Well, I think we all are. Actually, it's been, okay, really, it's well, been a really interesting uh, last uh, seven days for yeah. cycling. Well, yeah. then here is a um, perennial fan favourite, Hannah Orton. Tell us all about it. Yeah, hi there. Um, so I've been glued to my laptop each evening this week to catch up on the rest of the Ovo Energy Women's Tour of Britain. There was actually a massive pile-up in the peloton midway through stage three near Didcot. Uh, which was caused by the traditional British pothole, and it forced loads of riders out of the race, including Marianne Voss, who had to have hospital treatment for cuts to her face and withdraw completely, which left CCC Live at a real disadvantage. Everyone who continued was patched up and there was this sea of dressings on elbows and knees at the start line for the next few days. Most of the teams, apart from Sunweb, I think, lost at least one rider. Um, Bigler was down to only four. Stage four was quite a good one for Sunweb, as the end of the day saw Leanne Lippert in 
the green GC leader's jersey. She wasn't actually aware that she'd won it and as she finished the stage second to Kasia Nivia-Doma and she'd already headed back to her team bus when it was announced so she had to come out again so everyone could cheer at her. However, that day really belonged to Canyon SRAM. Um, we saw Kasia Nivia-Doma's climbing skills showcased after some real serious lead-out work from Hannah Barnes and Tiff Cromwell and they just did brilliantly that day. Stage five was a really hilly stage, the hardest ever in this race apparently and it's really good to see women getting a chance to climb. Rebecca Charlton in her ITV4 commentary said that with the exception of the Giro Rosa coming up in July there aren't actually many stage races that give opportunities for women to race on climbs or with hilltop finishes um, so the ones who succeed in GT at the World Tour level tend to be all-rounders rather than specialist climbers. Shout out to Erica Magnaldi of WNT Rota Yay. for her climbing skills. She looked really impressive on the Cat 1 climb at Pint um, to start with, at least until she was caught by the bunch right at the top. Lizzie Dignan made her attack on stage 5 towards the top of that climb and Kasia Nivia who'd just been sitting on some wheels in the middle of the pack, just shot off after her and drove the lead out with 20k to go. Elisa Longo-Borghini, also of Trek Segafredo, um, stayed with the pair and the race ended with a super technical approach. It was really twisty um, to the finishing sprint, uh, which was then a really close finish between Dagnan and Nivia Doma with Longo-Borghini taking third. I haven't seen much from Mitchelton Scott this race, although I know their big hitters, Amanda Spratt and Annemiek van Vleuten, are actually altitude training in Italy now in preparation for the Giro, but Sarah Roy and Grace Brown were their contending riders. Sarah did take second place in the sprints contest, but I didn't see much of Grace or of also of Gracie Elvin, as I might have expected. So Lizzie Dignan won the Tour of Britain overall. She won the GC, um, which is a brilliant achievement anyway, but coupled with the fact that she's got a nine-month-old daughter at home with her husband and she missed the whole of the 2018 race season while she was pregnant, I think she's just my new hero. Corin Rivera from Sunweb held on to the Iceberg Sprints jersey, which was really well-deserved. She's just explosive when she goes. And Casio Nivia Doma kept her black Skoda Queen of the Mountains jersey too, as well as her second place in the GC. So we've got a break in the World Tour calendar now until the Giro Rosa, which starts on the 5th of July. Uh, it's the longest race in the World Tour, 10 stages, and will open with an 18k time trial. Happily this year, there will be free-to-air highlights every evening following the Men's Tour de France stages. Um, this is thanks to a partnership between Trek and Vox Women Cycling Podcast YouTube channel. And it will be a real welcome change from last year when I actually couldn't even find a reliable Twitter feed for the race. And also a welcome relief from the frustration we all felt. I'm obviously lumping myself in with Anna van der Bregen here. With the women's flesh volon and Liège Baston Liège one day classics this spring, which had no TV coverage at all either. Interestingly, it was announced last month that both of those races will actually lose their world tour status for 2020 because they won't provide the 45 minutes of TV coverage, which is required by new UCI regulation. Also during this time we can keep an eye out for the news of the Donandes El Ovelo. Sorry French people out there. They are a band of women who since 2015 have been riding the full route of the men's Tour de France a day ahead of them and are pushing for the return of a full women's tour as opposed to the one day race of La Course which is what we get. They will be riding out on the 5th of July and finishing 30 mountain passes later on the 27th so bon chance to them. Good to, thanks Hannah. Good to see Lizzie Dyden back in the green. Back in the green, yeah. Um, Obviously, she, she married an Irishman as well, so the, it kind of makes sense. The, well, um, back in the green by the smallest winning margin in the race's history. Is really? How much yeah, was Two the, seconds. Um, well, yeah, as we, as we, 
as we've just heard. Um, thank you for listening. We have been Life Behind Bars. Uh, we do still are. Join us again next week as we hurtle towards the Tour de France and um, our own doom. Yes, more. So one thing though is, is between more between, concerningly the Marmot. Between now and the Marmot, we the you know listeners won't know, and Stephen will only be dimly aware of um, the real block of training that you and me are going to put in in um, in Somerset which is where we're really going to put in the, the hard miles, because I would say that there's no better training for um, climbing the Alps than Glastonbury Festival. Oh, yes, of course. I wonder where you were going with <laughs> yeah, this. With a you know, three-hour sleep and pear cider um, is pretty pretty good way of preparing. Are you riding down there? Because once you get there, I'm going to speculate you're not going to have a, a tremendous opportunity to ride your bike. I but if be, you do, then all will pound I will, I will be there for five days um, not riding my bike and getting um, considerably less fit, I should imagine. We'll see oh, how that goes. So uh, tough to be building to that peak of form then, but I know you've been you've been aiming towards for. Well, I don't want to come in too. I don't want to come months. in too hot because we saw early in the season Primoz Roglic, you know, came in hot, came, came in too hot. So actually, I will hit form by the time we're halfway up Galibier. I'll be undercooked going up Glandon. That's my plan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, but we'll let we'll let people know if that how that works out. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, any consult paid consultancy from Team Ineos that comes out of that will obviously yeah, yeah. Uh, be referred to our lawyers in the first instance. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, shall we in fact uh, say goodbye and um, make a promise to all meet back here next week and talk more about our fears and loathings of the Marmot, and I'm sure more about the Tour de France. Um, yes, we are going to. So it's goodbye from me, and in fact, Salou. It's goodbye from him, Graham. And, and more television chefs such as Fanny Craddock will be joining us in, in, in next week's intro. Uh, and it's goodbye, good, good, goodbye from... from... It's goodbye. Oh, that was bog, bogged up at last minute. Anyway. Oh, well, you didn't uh, let me finish. It's goodbye from him, David Quainton. Goodbye. No, do that again, do that again. That's terrible. No, he's gone. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. CVB. That was alright. Okay, so you're not actually, we're not actually doing the last bit again. Well, we uh, need to. We need to actually record it now. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, ah. Uh, dear, dear. Finalising uh, the yeah. recording. Ah, oh, dear. Uh.